Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I'm still learning that. It's interesting after two years um, since losing or, or since my husband passing. Um, it's just, it's different. Grief has no roadmap and um, no understanding. And so really even the second year has been so different than the first year. And like you said, people do move on with their life. It's not that they forget, but life moves on and life moves on for me and my kids too. Chrissy Lane Garland is the guest today with Pastor Paul Johnson. As she shares a very painful story of being the wife of a pastor and then losing her husband to suicide and what comes next for her and her small children. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Here on Life Support, we take a different tact. We don't always talk about, you know, super happy, joyful things because sometimes Jesus is found in dark suffering and trauma. And we want you to know that you are always safe with Christ and that he is there with you. And we are going to delve more into something like that today, mental illness and, and the causes and what you can do about it and all of those types of things. We've got a very special guest with us. Her name is Chrissy Lee Garland. She's a licensed professional counselor. She's a certified trauma specialist. She's an author and speaker um, and the author of a, an excellent book. Talk about your book real quick because you were here last time and we didn't even get a chance to, to talk about that. Oh, yes. Um, so I co-authored a book with um, Dr. Rob Phillips. He's a pastor and it, up in upstate New York. And um, it's really a book um, that talks about how to understand mental illness, mental health from a biblical and clinical perspective. And we feel like it's very important for the evangelical community to start talking about these issues and to understand it's not just a spiritual issue and to understand how scripture does address these type of struggles and uh, depression, anxiety, and how it is biblical and how we can use both biblical resources and clinical resources um, to find healing and how God provides all of that uh, for us to really, like I said, find healing for these issues like depression, anxiety, and how the gospel brings hope to that. So the name of the book and where we can find it? Yes, it's called Open Letters to Our Fellow Fighters, and you can find it on Amazon. And also on my website, there's a link, chrissyjoy.com, and you can purchase it through either of those avenues. Okay, so mental health, um, a long time taboo in, uh, in churches. Um, I feel like we're talking about it a little bit more now, which is good. And people like you that have the courage to step forward. Um, you shared last time, just to do a quick summary, that um, you uh, were working with your husband in ministry. Um, he was struggled with mental health. Um, he took his own life. And here you are now, just a couple years later, uh, giving back. And it's such a hard issue for people to understand if you're not somewhat intimately involved with it because... Um, it's difficult to discern, is that mental health, is that uh, another kind of issue, but mental health is real. And so how does someone sitting in a pew, Chrissy, um, that's not in ministry like, like we are, um, 
how do they know if they're mentally healthy? And if they're starting to feel particular ways where they're thinking, I've never really thought of that before, or that didn't seem like me, or somebody says to them, I've never heard you talk like that, or whatever the case may be, how can they begin to discern uh, what's going on with them? Well, I, I, I think if someone's saying something to you, then you should definitely start asking yourself, is, is this true? Are my behaviors different? Um, most likely people already feel that burden on them that um, it's not just about happiness, but it's just this sadness that you, you may not can pinpoint. You may um, have felt it for a long period of time um, and, and you feel like it's taking away from anything joyful in your life. And it really is, it's different for each person because I think each person struggles with things differently. But if you're talking about generalized um, anxiety or generalized depression, it is that feeling of just feeling just burdened and feeling like there's little hope in your life. And there's also the physical symptoms of wanting to sleep more, not wanting to be with people, um, even as far as having trouble breathing. Uh, and that really is associated with anxiety. So someone sitting in a pew most likely, if you're feeling those feelings, then then you are struggling with some type of um, depression or anxiety, and and it may go beyond sadness. And I, I want to clarify: there's situational uh, depression, and and then there's chronic depression. And situational is based on maybe you're just really struggling because life is hard. Mm -hmm. Something happened um, in your life. Something is going on in your life. But then there's people I, I see in counseling all the time who have struggled with, with it for years, just feeling hopeless, struggling to find meaning with their life. And when it's that long, it's most likely a brain issue. It's most likely uh, a chronic um, illness of, of depression or anxiety. So the bottom line is don't ignore it. Right? Don't ignore it. No, we are not, we're not meant to live in sadness by any means. And right. if if you are not able by your own will to get better, that's okay. That's actually pretty normal. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why there's resources out there for you to get help um, so that you don't have to sit in that pew and you don't have to walk into a room and feel alone and feel like no one understands you and feel like it's not going to get better. Yeah. I recently spent time having coffee with a fellow pastor who's a, a seasoned pastor. He's not, he's not a flake. He, he's, he's a very good pastor of a large church and, and he said, you know, you know, I had to take two months off because I just realized I, I was just becoming unhealthy. And I really applauded him for that, that he had the courage to uh, step forward and say, you know, I'm, I'm running into some problems here. But the problem is that typically in churches that hasn't been received well. Do you think that's starting to change in churches? Is there beginning to be a more of an open, um, an opening for people to talk about it? More from Pastor Paul and Chrissy Garland in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to announce that musical artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of Life Support Resources. The date is February 24th, and tickets are now on sale. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at fivestonemedia.com. Spell that out. 5stonemedia.com. Also performing will be original music from Eaglebrook Music, 
And the MC for the night is comic Bob Stromberg. And now back to today's interview and Pastor Paul. Is there beginning to be a more of an open, um, an opening for people to talk about it? I hope so. Of course, I'm in the world where I'm constantly trying to get churches to talk about it. So, yeah, of yeah. course, with my experience, I want there to be change. I want there to be a culture where people feel safe to go to church and be able to talk about these struggles. And even if they don't know how to fix them, even if they don't understand them, that the church would be the place that would say, hey, let's get you help. Or, hey, um, I may not understand it either, but I'm going to love you through it. Let's let's figure it out together. Um, I'm a strong believer that the church should be that place for everyone. And um, I believe it is becoming more of a common conversation mm -hmm. because through the years, there's been so many pastors and leaders who have taken their life and believers too, just, just people within the church um, suddenly just taking their life. And I hope that has awakened um, the church universal, the church as a whole, to start seeing these things as serious issues and opening up conversations. I hope so, too. Unfortunately, you know, it's like anything, um, many church boards and so forth would say, well, that's, you know, that would never happen here. Um, I'm sure our pastor would tell us if he was um, experiencing that, and that might be a bit naive for a lot of boards. Um, but here's what frustrates me, and um, I don't know, you can comment on this if you want, or you can just say, you know, stop talking so much. But the church is supposed to be this living organism of love where the body of Christ fits together, um, where we're transparent with each other, love each other, show patience with each other. And, and what, it, what it appears to be happening in a, at a large, kind of a, a, a large sphere in the United States is it's not that. Um, they're, they're, we're uncovering all kinds of sexual abuse that's been uh, shoved under the rug for years. I don't understand that. How could that happen in ch churches? This is, the this is the bride of Christ. And now, you know, you had to suffer in silence. That shouldn't be. This is the bride of Christ. As I study the life of Jesus, when, when, he, when he ran up against people who were struggling or people that were downright um, inhabited by demons or harassed by demons, however you want to put it. He didn't, he confronted, he didn't run away from them. He, he went right toward them when everybody else was cowering. I don't understand how the church has become this secretive, unsafe place when I don't think that's how God meant it to be. And I mean, what do you think? I mean, you talk with people all the time in your profession and people that come from churches, people that are struggling with different things. How, how did it evolve to this, do you think? <laughs> Impossible question to answer, probably, but. Yeah. <laughs> I think because we're human mm -hmm. and um, we live in a broken world and we'll never get church perfect. We won't. Even with all these conversations and, and all of us trying to correct uh, poor behavior and trying to correct things that. Uh, where we have made mistakes in the past as a church, I just, I believe that we will never be perfect until heaven, but I really feel like fear keeps us, as a church universal, fear keeps us from really living out the gospel like we should. 
um, fear of having it together, fear of what we're expected to look like, what we're expected to be. And sometimes I wonder if, if we were just to all admit, even pastors alike, that we all struggle and we're all struggling with something, um, if that wouldn't break down so many walls of fear and pride um, to where it would feel like a safer place. Yeah. And, and so I think I've been very, very hurt by the church mm-hmm. um, because of our experience. But at the same time, the church is where I will always invest my life mm-hmm. um, because I love the Lord, because I serve the Lord, because we are called to community with other believers. And because I want my children to know Jesus, I want them to grow up in church. And so even though it's imperfect, um, I won't give up on it. And, and I hope that we as believers won't give up on trying to love like Jesus loved, like you were talking about, and run after those um, who are outcasts. And I call them lepers. I, I can very much so relate to lepers at, at this point, falling from from a pastor's kid to, to someone who was marred with all these struggles and, um, but God loved me just the same. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the message a church needs to be sharing, um, that God loves us just the same. Yeah. Well, if we're going to fulfill our mission and I understand our mission, you know, I don't, I don't think we're culture warriors. I think we're disciple makers. I don't think we're defending the liberty of America. I think we're making disciples. And I think if we want to make disciples, if we want people to feel like uh, we are a place where they can meet Christ, then we need to act like Christ. We need to be the body of Christ. And, and what I think we fail to realize sometimes is that nonbelievers can sense the DNA of a particular group of believers, a church um, a, a small group, however you want to, to form that. And if there is a sense there where there is a protection, if the, everybody acts like they're, they have it all together, that is not going to in, be inviting to a non-believer. If they walk into a room and people are actually sharing real things, that's incredibly attractive to non-believers. And that's kind of why God put the church here, to make disciples, as I understand the Bible. And yet, and yet we're so afraid of people seeing the real us, but that's the very thing that attracts them. Mm-hmm. And I think we need, to get, we, need to, we need to get over ourselves in a way and, and just be us. Because we're still carrying the image of God, whether we're perfect or not. Yes, and I think that's a great point is we need to remind ourselves that we're not Jesus. We try, you know, we yeah. want to bear the image of Christ. and mm-hmm. But we are not meant to be perfect and nor will we ever be. And we're not meant to pretend we are perfect um, because we are very much so human because God is perfect. And that's who we point to, not ourselves, but, but the God who's perfect, who continuously shows us love and grace in our imperfections. And and that's really the message um, that we should be living out, not just teaching, but living out. Yeah. For sure. How many, when I'm preaching, and I say this for all pastors now, when we're preaching to our congregations on Sunday, how many people 
out there are really suffering that I don't know. I mean, what are the numbers saying? What are the stats saying in the evangelical community of how many people are struggling with mental health issues or some kind of something that I can't see with my eyes? So the statistic is one in five, but, um, and, th and that's the most recent statistic is one in five people are struggling with a mental illness. Now, I believe there's more, even if you don't want to diagnose it, I believe there's more than that are, that are actually, who are actually struggling. So that's a lot. It's a lot of people. And so we can't just take this lightly and assume that um, people aren't going to get it. And I think that's the other fear is we're afraid of, of talking to a minority of people when in fact, probably the majority of people are going to understand this if we address it mm -hmm. from the pulpit. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so your situation is one that um, I'm really sorry you dealt with it. I'm sorry that you're still, I'm sure still for a long time, we'll be dealing with it when we lose someone, when we go through trauma. In our case, it was violence. Um, it never goes away. It always is going to be there at some level. Our kids are still grappling with it. Um, can, you, can you give me a little, a little idea of how it's been, you know, after you have a loss, everybody's there for you, and then all of a sudden they're on their way to their life, which is fine. That's what they got to do. And then you're kind of left having to deal with the, all of that. Tell me what that's like to have to grapple with this long term. Well, I'm still learning that. It's interesting. After two years um, since losing or, or since my husband passing, um, it's just, it's different. Grief has no roadmap and um, no understanding. And so really even the second year has been so different than the first year. And like you said, people do move on with their life. It's not that they forget, but life moves on and life moves on for me and my kids too. And, um, you know, I fought so hard for my husband's life when he was alive. Um, but now it's my job to fight for my kids' life mm -hmm. and not to, to let them or us sit in this, this tragedy, um, but to live the life that God has given us and, and to learn how to navigate that and, and also miss your loved one and, um, and, and go through a healing from all the trauma you went through. Um, it, it's a lot to deal with, but I'll tell you, honestly, I couldn't do it out without the Lord without my relationship with the Lord. And it's not always this pretty flowery relationship. Like sometimes I have to yell at God and ask him why, why he takes away and why life is so hard. But at the end of the day, I know he's the only one that keeps me going. Um, it's community, making sure I'm in a good community and uh, of people who love me. And, and a lot of my community are people who didn't even know my late husband. And that's weird but also um, counseling. I am in a consistent weekly routine of counseling. And even as a counselor, even as a, a ministry leader, I, I acknowledge the need that I have in my own life to get help. Mm -hmm. and, and that includes talking to someone who can help me navigate all of this and be a support in that way. And, and so it, it really does just 
God gives us all these tools. We just need to reach out and take them and use them. Yeah, I went to um, a counselor probably a week or so after we lost our son, and um, my guy said, I'm going to meet with you weekly for an hour and a half for as long as it takes. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's great. You know, that'll be a couple months. And um, it was a year and a half of every single week. He was amazingly faithful. I bet he said five words every time I was there, but knew how to direct the conversation. And I don't think I could have got through without that. And it was a person who was safe, a person who um, I could pour my heart out to. And um, man, you got to reach out for help. If you're going through something like this, don't try to do it alone. You know, there, there, there are resources out there. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I don't know all the resources, but I do know how to do, use Google. And um, you can find resources if you really want to. Um, the county you live in will likely have resources that are very inexpensive, if not free. Um, there are, if you're a victim of a crime, uh, these um, victims' uh, services will help you. I mean, reach out for help. It's there. And I, what, I, what I get really sad about are people who either don't know how to access those resources or are unwilling to and can, can really never find a measure of health after something happens. Because God is at work. God is redemptive. Now, we'll never go back to the way. We, you and I will never be the same as we were before. And, but I don't think that's God's plan. I don't think he wants us to be. Because he wants us to learn and change and grow. Um, but we can, um, but he is, he is in, the, in the business of restoration. And so... Um, by you having the courage to come out and talk about these things, you're also going to help a lot of other people um, be able to navigate their own set of whatever, whatever is in front of them. And you're right, we live in a broken world. There is no perfect life, no perfect relationship, no perfect anything. I think Jesus said something like, if I remember, something like, you will suffer, but I over, I've overcome the world. <laughs> so few times. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about your website and, and, and tell me about your book again. And, and thank you for uh, talking about the website, because if you don't know where to turn, I have a resources tab on my website um, of, of just a good place to start. If you're looking for a counselor and or if you're looking for a book to read or um, someone to talk to, I have resources on my my blog site. So. It's very simple, uh, just a few of them, but I, I, I really believe in these resources. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, where do I start? Maybe I do need to reach out for help. Go look up those resources. And if you're a church listening to this and you don't have a list of resources, feel free to take mine and start your own resource list at your, at your local church. Uh, I feel like it's so important to help people like know how to take the first step. So and again, my my website is actually just kind of a, a small, simple blog of kind of my, my brief journey, and you'll find some other things on there, but you'll also find my book, Open Letters to Our Fellow Fighters, that I co-authored um, with a, a brilliant um, author and pastor, and our heart is just to help the evangelical community, to help believers understand mental illness from a biblical and clinical perspective and um, to know that they're not alone. They're not alone in their struggle and that we can talk about it and we should 
And, and Chrissy, not only do you have this website, but you're also involved with uh, pastor care too, right? Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so you can find these resources on my website, and I just encourage you to use them and, and to reach out for help. And also, I work for an incredible ministry called Care for Pastors. I am a counselor and life coach for them. And we have other um, counselors, biblical pastoral counselors that work with pastors, pastors' wives, and pastors' kids. And we also provide resources of encouragement to these pastoral families. And it's just a safe, confidential organization that we've all been in ministry that just understands the life of ministry. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, good. A resource as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and, and God bless you in your journey. Thanks for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. That's Chrissy Lane Garland. And listen, if you, you've been hearing us talk about struggle, and I think of Romans 5, 3, and 4, um, we, we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And at the end of that sentence, there's hope. At the end of your journey, there's hope. God is redemptive. He is working. There is a purpose. Um, and, you know, it is hard. Life is hard. And you may be experiencing something that's overwhelming. But just remember, if you can, that God is never going to forsake you. And at the end of the day, He is going to do a work in your life. And that's why we're here, just to remind you of that and, and to hopefully lead you through your journey. I want to thank our, our great partners here, which um, include Faith Radio at faithradio.com. At Five Stone Media, you can watch a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church at myrwc.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. For listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.